We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we feeling? It's Jimbo Slice time. Yes, Jimbo Slice, Kimbo Slice. We're talking James Harden. Obviously, the beard. We're going to dive into him with a player preview. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, when I say James Harden, what comes to mind? Leader, Nick, it seems to be the the big word that's coming out right now. And, and desire and motivation. You know, I, I think that... We saw, and I guess looking back on his, him last season, we saw the acclimation process be not rocky, but a little bit inconsistent and being like, James, why aren't you taking shots, my guy? Uh, he ended up finding his way within three to five, six games. Uh, and then it's just like, ah, okay, here we go. Because we don't want him to play with the second unit and kick out passes to TLC. My guy, take a step back. My guy, get to the line. Yep. Um, and he found that balance relatively quickly, so quickly that he was that dominant that he was in the MVP conversation uh, alongside Nicole Jokic and LeBron James and you know, probably would have been there uh, for an even extended period and, and, and given Nicole Jokic a run for his money had he stayed healthy um, as well. So uh, such a, a dominant season, such a complete season. We spoke about it pretty consistently in post-game recaps. It's just the most complete basketball James Harden has ever played um, and uh, you can make a, a very credible argument for it. He's Dominance and individual productivity in Houston you know, knows no bounds. You know, what, 36 points per game in some seasons. Um, leading scorer, you know, incredible floor general Mike D'Antoni's impact um, and, and revolutionized his career. Uh, but the way and the control, the balance that he played uh, with us at Brooklyn Net in in that stretch of games that he, he did play for us, uh, 36, uh, 36 games, sorry, um, was, was very, very, very good. One of the best players in the game, and he showed that. 
Yeah, I thought it was the best team basketball of his career, you know, playing at an extremely high level and like contributing to a winning, dominating team and doing so many different things and showcasing so much of his game. You know, he had some big seasons with Houston early on. And obviously at the end, he was playing that really heavy ISO basketball. But like just the way he was able to compliment and really make his teammates better. That was like the biggest factor last year for him. Like he really elevated guys. You talked about playing with that second unit. He got the best out of Tyler Johnson. He got the best out of guys like Bruce Brown and Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and even Blake Griffin when he first got here. So there's just so much with James Harden that really popped. And obviously his season with the Nets started in January. That's when he was traded to the Nets on January 13th. And there was obviously rumors early on from training camp to most early on in the season. James Harden and supposedly was out of shape, wasn't in great conditioning, kind of was playing, I don't want to say bad for the Rockets, but not to the same MVP level, ends up, gets traded. And like you mentioned, kind of turned it around in Brooklyn, was amazing, played at an MVP level, especially with injuries to, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving missing time. Like he just put the team on his back and really just made sure they had that two seed even without the other stars. And I thought even in the postseason against Boston, he was really good. Like you can make an argument, he was better than Kevin Durant in round one. And then obviously in round two, he lasted 13 seconds in game one and then grinded out game five, six and seven on one leg with that, you know, partially torn hamstring. Yeah, that tenacity and, you know, ability to play through pain is unparalleled. Incredibly, incredible, you know, from, in big minutes. Uh, yeah, incredible pain tolerance, incredible durability uh, from James Harden there. I also had probably the most memorable regular season game, you know, and, and led the team back. Uh, from 22, 23, 24 points down against the Phoenix Suns. Yep. That was the most fun regular season game since, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson in Sacramento a couple of years ago, um, which we lost our minds at. And we lost our minds at, uh, in fact, I, I remember doing like just a, a video reaction on Twitter and I was uh, not the most coherent at that stage, but I was certainly excited. And, and that's what James Harden does for you. He's probably, there are a few players I think care as much about the regular season, care as much about just producing um, and night after night after night in a way that James Harden has done maybe one of the best regular season performers we have ever seen and that's not a that, that's not a slight at all that is a, a very very great honor to have yeah I mean he's just been an MVP candidate like for the last you know five to six seasons and even coming to the Nets a star-studded team and guys missing time still finding a way to play at that level in almost a different way was just really exciting to watch and you know, there was just a lot of great things with James Harden last year. And you could even he got the best out of guys who weren't even really playing great levels in the NBA, like a DeAndre Jordan. You know, DeAndre's best minutes all came with James Harden on the floor. So it's just like what he could provide the team was really inspiring. And then also just seeing like what it could be when he gets to play more minutes with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as a whole. Oh, I can't wait. And I just got one uh, two-man combo for you just from the playoffs. And I had to, like, double-check these numbers, like, seven times. But <laughs> it's literally insane. So the best two-man combination for James Harden in the postseason this year was him and Kyrie Irving in 139 minutes. And they were 30.2 poor 100 possessions. Obviously, that's all pretty much coming against the Boston Celtics. But still, for that to be a two-man combination during the postseason is incredible. Yeah, I think that the... We remember the Boston, in that Boston Celtics series, the Nets had the best offense ever. It was like 125, 123 yep. offensive rating. So not surprising whatsoever. Um, the best backcourt in the league. I I actually I put that out on Twitter yesterday. By the time this comes out, it'll be a little bit earlier. But 
You know, people responding to me with freaking CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Like, come on, please, just keep those. Oh, don't even bother yeah. responding if you're going to bring that type of trash my way. They're, they're the most, they might be the most talented offensive duo going around. And funnily enough, you know, Kyrie is the shooting guard yep. to quote uh, our dude at DeAndre Jordan. Uh, may he had a lot of fun in the retirement home in Los Angeles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the really only competition would be, you know, Steph and Clay. Obviously, Clay's coming off a major injury. Um, other than that, I'm not really sure. You know, yeah, Denver... you. Come on, mate. Give some love to our former guy, the, the crypto and coronavirus vax king. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think Bradley Beal is as good as Kyrie or James Harden. So that's, you know, maybe there's an argument for Kyrie and Beal. I could hear that. Some people would probably say Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think we saw, you know, a little bit of a decline from Chris Paul on the court. Maybe not as much from the IQ perspective and different things, but that'd be hard to argue that. So I think, I don't want to say they're easily the best backcourt, but I think most people would put them in that category, especially offensively. We're talking about guys that, as a group, they average over 50 points together. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say they are. I'll say they are. They are easily the best backcourt in the NBA. So, but anything else on last season about James Harden? Anything else that surprised you in terms of like the season that he had with the Nets? I just thought his ability to just lead the team on the floor and the communication levels and the, all those sort of little things, you know, as well, just the talking, um, the desire and love to smash a good smoothie. Um, <laughs> you posted the other day that came from the Brooklyn Nets page. He's got the smoothies back, Nick. Um, hopefully, he's, he's drinking plenty of them. I remember, I'm pretty sure I said this on a previous episode. I'm going to repeat it. He loves the berries, loves a bit of peanut butter in there uh, as well. You know, the, the good, healthy fats. Um, hopefully, it's making him fit, fit trim, uh, and good to go to have another big, big campaign uh, with the Nets. Yeah, and you mentioned the leadership on the court. I think off the court was a little bit of a surprise, too. Just so many guys talking about him and communicating and also just like being that vocal leader to a team that you just arrived to, you know, calling guys out, talking to them, trying to get on the same page. And like I mentioned, still elevating guys to another level because there's always been such a hatred for James Harden by a lot of NBA fans and media, just given the way he plays and hunts for fouls and different things that you don't appreciate certain parts of his game until you see him up close every single night. And obviously the situation was a little bit different. So allowed him to play in a true point guard playmaking way. And with Steve Nash as his coach, I think it allowed him to almost excel even more. Absolutely. Jack, um, obviously I would say last year for James Harden was a success. You know, the only thing that was disappointing was the timing of his injuries. Yeah, and it sucks because he's been one of the most durable players you know we've seen in a in a very 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 long time. It's very rare that he's not out there for seventy games plus. Yeah, it is. It's crazy too, and it's like part of your wonders is maybe he should have sat against the Celtics and been good for the Bucks, or you know what it is. And there's obviously a whole bunch of what ifs, or maybe if his you know workload wasn't so heavy during the regular season, other guys were healthy. But hopefully this year everything is kind of on on point on page and he's talked about that a lot in the offseason is making sure every part of his body is strong especially the parts that are going to be worked to the highest extent yeah absolutely and we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I just like the, the what ifs that you're throwing out there, Nick. Been watching that show on, uh, on, did you on watch Disney+. The Plus. I did watch the latest one. Yeah. Very, very good one. No spoilers here. No spoilers here. You know, if you guys want us to do a, a Marvel Patreon, Nick and I are very big Marvel fans, so throw it out there. Uh, Nick and I might get into the, the pop culture game, but Jeffrey Wright, funnily enough, Nets fan as well. I reached yeah. out to him in the DMs to see if he wanted to come on the pod because um, it would have been cool to chat to him. And I just love the way that he says, what if? Yeah. It really does. I mean, he's great for the watcher in that. And obviously it just kind of provides another element because you need a strong narrator with a show like that. But obviously we could sidetrack on this for an hour. Like Jack said, you want to see that type of content more than happy. Um, but Jack strengths of James Harden. Yes. Strengths think there are plenty. They are plentiful elite floor general, if not the best in the league at it, uh, incredible flow to game. Just the quickness that he has with it, the control that he has with it, the ability to just throw different types is just something incredible. Um, it gets to the line at will, obviously, just an ability to just score the basketball. Uh, an incredible rebounder for his position. Obviously, we know about the post defense. His lull to sleep handle. You know, he's just like, he's got such control with the ball in his hands between his legs. I'm just like, okay, we get you now. Okay, yep. I'm going to step back now. Um, and obviously, that step back three being one of the most uh, devastating weapons any individual player has in the game right now. Yeah, he likes to play with his food a little bit, especially with some of those fakes. You know what I mean? He'll catch somebody off guard. He won't go on the first fake. He'll wait until a couple times and then boom, get the layup, get the floater, get the free throws. Yeah, it was like it reminds me of Tyrese Halliburton sort of speaking about like, you know, you got like James Hahn doing this thing, you know, Kyrie Irving doing this mm-hmm. thing, and they're talking trash at the same time. Like, I don't know what the hell we're supposed to do. So, um, yeah, I hope I, I, I want to hear. I like hearing those stories about on the court um, histrionics and stuff. I, I like a, a bit of banter, a bit of back and forth. You know, this is the NBA, man. You know, talk that trash, talk your ish, uh, James, and uh, he's got plenty to talk about because he's got a, a hell of a game. Yeah, it's part of the game. Like a part of any kind of game, any competition is like talking trash. Some people don't do it. Some people do it. Whatever it is, you know, whatever floats your boat. I think another underrated aspect of him, he's a really strong player. We talked about Kevin Durant being strong. Like, no, James Harden is strong. And like, he's strong for like forward strength. Like he's as strong as some fours in this league. Has like a really wide upper frame. You know, we talked about Bruce Brown's shoulders. James Harden's aren't bad. He's got a good chest. Like he can just hit, absorb contact and then finish through it. And obviously, Jack, you listed a lot of the things that I had. I think maybe one thing uh, his hands on defense are really really good and I like I've alluded to a lot in the show making his teammates better but just kind of touching on the things that you mentioned you mentioned scoring he's a top five score in the NBA step back three I think he has the best one at worst he's top three with Steph and Luca you talk about passing he's probably top three in that he's category. Better than Luka, but Steph I think is obviously more efficient 
Yeah, so that's another top three right there. You look at ball handling, top five in that category. Basketball IQ, probably somewhere between top five and top ten. Just he excels in so many different categories. And there's there's more versatility to his game than what he's given credit for. Like you mentioned, he can finish on inside with the layup package, but he also has that elite floater. He's also very good at turning that floater straight into an oop, where you're not really sure what he's shooting. And I think sometimes he's not really sure until the last second, like, what is this big doing? And that just allows him to score at such a high rate and be such a productive a productive player. Yeah, he said it at media dates why he got Clint Capella paid and Clint Capella hasn't taken him out for lunch or dinner yet. Come on, Clint. Um, maybe you'll do the same thing for Clax this year. James Harden, we've been more than happy to take you out to dinner. <laughs> oh, we'll pay, man. We'll pay. I know you got all the, the dollar-dollar bills, y'all, but, um, man, that sounded wide. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully, come in, hopefully come to Brooklyn soon. Take me to whatever club, adult establishment you want to go to, my guy. Um, any of these Nets players. Paddy, uh, hit me up. Um, you know, I should. You know, just any Nets player, any any Nets aficionado, um, hit up your your boys at the buzz. Yeah. Um, but Jack, I guess any other strengths you want to touch on for James? No, I think we we got him pretty much there, Nick. I actually had sort of you said uh, a handsy defender is a good thing. I actually had that as a weakness as well because I mean hands as in like um, like quick hands like sl- swiping at the ball. You know what I mean? Like he's a, yeah. he's a weird ass player where I've seen him swipe at the ball with not even looking and still make contact with the ball. Like I don't even do you have magnets or something like that working out in that situation? I get what you're saying though with the hands you kind of lead into weakness. It, it tends to make him foul on plays where he has no business fouling, especially in the post. He just will stick that palm like straight out in the back and the guy will kind of fade away and the ref will call the push foul, even though it's a fade away. Yeah. From like his hips down, like he doesn't really move a lot, which is why he's so good in the post. I mean, he has such sturdiness and strength like you alluded to, but you know, he's not clacks and moving his feet. Like he's yep. goddamn Fred Flintstone when he goes bowling. Um, but yeah, he's, the handsy defense is good in terms of, you know, he's, he's really good at getting seals, really good at getting into the passing lanes, getting those strips. But at the same time, that is where he defends. It's his upper yep. body. Yep. It's obviously, I think, going to weaknesses. His foot speed is something. And maybe that kind of ties into the flexibility because you mentioned not hinging much at the hips, not bending his knees, at least defensively. You see it sometimes offensively. Uh, perimeter defense, catch and shoot threes. And I'd say his off-ball impact. Not as bad as it was in Houston, but it's still not one of the strengths of his game. Nick, Lucas sort of mentioned one about um, talking about his, uh, what, what was it in terms of, uh, he, he feels like he's lost the, a little bit of a burst. Yep. Now, do you buy, we didn't really discuss it at, at length because we discussed everything else at length whenever we have Lucas on the show. Uh, do you buy into that? Yeah, I think you could, you know, make an argument for it. He's getting up there in age, getting past his athletic prime. And then I also think you have to take in consideration the hamstring. Obviously, that's an injury that's going to hurt your explosiveness. So seeing how he recovers from that, because I think it's a little bit more serious than what people like wanted to make it out to be, especially non-Nets fans, where like that really needs to get healthy because you do not want to injure it again. And obviously you need to have that pop off your back foot to have that first step and really just take advantage of the leverage that you created with your ball handling. So I wouldn't be super surprised, but I'm not like worried about it to an extent because there's so many other elements of his game and other ways he can impact and play off other guys and also just kind of use his head more. And like Lucas mentioned, maybe that means backing down a little bit more, using his body in the post or something along those lines. So I think the burst could definitely be concerned based off the injury, based off the age. And then also some of it could be based off of the conditioning of last year, even though he played a ton of minutes, played in a ton of games. I don't think James Harden would tell you he was in the best shape of his career last season. 
I mean, he said it now, and, and it's hard to sort of, we also saw the video that we discussed on, you know, just a news episode of The Buzz, where he was sort of saying to, to those kids in a speech um, that seemed to go viral, and shout out to Harden Barbecue, who always finds uh, viral moments for James Harden. But yeah, he was sort of saying, you know, I'm still recovering from the hamstring, and it's just like, oh, okay, uh, hopefully you're not still recovering from it now. He obviously looks in great shape, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of good things at, at, at in San Diego and such, so... But uh, yeah, there, there is still a question mark in the back of your head because a, a notoriously non-injury prone player has a, a relatively serious muscle injury, and muscle injuries generally, they're the ones that you know, with when you roll an ankle, when you you know have some sort of hamstring or calf issue, they're the ones that are, are more notoriously likely to come back. So there's certainly something to worry about. I'm going to push back at you slightly with the catch and shoot thing, Nick, because I agree on volume, but in terms of percentages, last year obviously 39% on the catch and shoot game, good. Previous season to that, 41.2%. Previous season to that, 41.4%. 17-18, 36.7%. I don't think the shooting is bad. It's just the fact that he turns down the shot. And it kind of like, it hinders the offense to an extent. Obviously, he's an elite offensive player. But sometimes in the flow of the offense, and we even saw it a couple times in the postseason where he just didn't take it. And it's just like, take the damn shot. Obviously, it hasn't really been a part of his game. Like you said, the volume hasn't been there. Some of that's a style of play in Houston, but in Brooklyn, you're playing off of other stars, so I think that's just something you need to get more comfortable doing, and also just attacking right off of the the pass. You know, either, you know, like either fake the three and drive inside. Sometimes he'll take that step back and just kind of slow down the offense when he doesn't need to. Obviously, he's an elite offensive player and can create offense, but sometimes staying in a rhythm of the offense is important, too. No, definitely, and you know, another weakness to his sort of game is the, the mid-range game. It's funny, you look at you look at his shot chart on, on StatMuse, it's just like perimeter paint. Yep. And then like three different spots around the, the rest of the floor in comparison to like Kevin Durant's on, which is just like spots everywhere and he, just, he, he takes a shot from anywhere on the floor. So obviously it's not a comfortable game, but it's funny because I was looking at some of his highlights from, from last season. Took a couple of them and they looked nice. And I wonder... This is, a, this is something I had for the questions, um, but we might as well bring it up now. Whether he has to take more of those shots because of the the new rules that have been you know, instituted by the NBA and you know, James, everyone's sort of saying James Harden, Trey Young, Luka Doncic are going to be the guys that are affected most by it, you know, in terms of like creating contact on the perimeter for three, um, just creating contact in general that doesn't look natural and in motion. Do you think he needs to diversify his game? Do you think it's going to affect him? Does he need to take more midi, hezzy jimbos, as uh, Katie likes to call them? Yeah, I mean, he could add, you know, some mid-range shots, but I think he doesn't necessarily need to because of the floater. It's kind of a used as almost his mid-range shot or that in-between area where he likes to activate, and he still has the passing element too. And, you know, I'm not as concerned about him drawing fouls. Like, obviously, maybe we'll see him go from, like, seven attempts a game to, like, five or something, but it's not necessarily the end of the world. I feel like a lot of the time, too, he's getting his um, three-point fouls at this point, like with his feet getting tangled with somebody else because they're kind of trying to overcommit on that contest. Yeah, I think it's a good point that he occasionally he'll do the, you know, jump into you, draw the contact sort of thing. But I think Luca does that more so. I think Trey Young does that more so. Whereas, like you like you alluded to, that's a similar thing with like Jason Tatum sort of sidestep three. But with James Harden's step back three, they're crowding his landing area. And that is still a foul. Like, you know, yeah. you, you have to give the offensive player a reasonable space to, to land as they're shooting. So... I think he'll still get some some three point um, some three point shooting fouls, um, and a lot of the fouls are are just due to his strength as well. He gets yep. into the lane, 
He bullies you. He draws contact. You, know, you might be unhappy about it if you're an opposing defense, but keep your hands down um, and you, you won't give it away. So I think some of those unnatural acts, yeah, James Harden has him in his arsenal, but I don't think he has a heavy reliance on him as you know, maybe... I don't think Trey Young... I don't think any of the NBA players will have any issue with it. Um, it's just like, you know, Steve Nash said when Trey Young was doing all that goddamn BS, you know, and that's not basketball. Um, I think James Harden's probably going to be the most fun out of all of them because he has such an incredible offensive arsenal. Yeah, and what James Harden really does a lot to get to the free throw line is he baits defenders. He's going to show you the ball. He's going to kind of even showcase it in your face. So you're going to want to reach and swing at it. And like you mentioned, he has really strong hands. So even maybe you'll get contact on the ball, but you're still at the end of the day going to swipe his arm afterwards. He's going to get to the line. So that's just something he just utilizes as a rule to his advantage. But Jack, anything else in terms of um, weaknesses? No, not really, Nick. I think it's just like, you know, obviously we know about the defense. We, they're glaringly obvious. They're not something that he's going to be able to improve. But like you alluded to, extra volume on the catch and shoot, extra just decisiveness on that sort of game. Um, maybe just like, you know, just... Uh, but at the same time, sometimes the manipulation is what he does so goddamn well. Yep. Um, as a half player especially. And I think that, you know, in the open court as well, some of my favorite highlights from last season from James Harden was when he's like, Passing a, a goddamn, like, often made basket. He'll throw a, pa- a pass to, like, Jeff Green cutting to the basket yep. for a dunk or Kevin Durant or whatever. I'm just like, that, 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 that's a made basket. You, you shouldn't be able to make that pass, yep. the sort of touchdown bounce passes and stuff. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Can't wait to see them even more so. Yeah, that's an underrated strength we didn't mention. It kind of falls under passing, but full court passing is just a different element because he does it so well. And just even the ability to kind of whip the ball with one hand is impressive stuff. But improvements, I think we pretty much touched on it. You know, defensive engagement, defensive tenacity sometimes, catch and shoot volume, um, conditioning, which it seems like he he took care of this offseason. So anything else you want to see him be better at next year? No, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. There aren't many things for the best players in the game. I think that you're not really going to get defensive engagement on a consistent basis, but if you get it good enough for, for long enough, that's good enough. As long as it's a postseason. You know, you know, I don't really care about the regular season. If he doesn't play well defensively, it's not the end of the world. It's just kind of locking up engagement. And even during the Boston series, I don't think he was as bad. And obviously the hamstring injury was still lingering. So I'd be intrigued to see what he looks like fully healthy in a series against you know, some of these teams in the postseason, it will be worse, better, or whatever it might be. But obviously the role on this team for James Harden, another superstar, he's going to be probably the 1B in the regular season, maybe even 1B in the postseason if he's healthy. Because like we said, in that Boston series, you could argue, you know, he was better than Kevin Durant. I would have been really intrigued to see what he would have played like against the Bucks, a team he played well against in the regular season. He wasn't there for the second and third matchup, but in the first matchup, him and Kevin Durant beat the Bucks with no Kyrie I- Irving. Absolutely, absolutely. In terms of the minutes, Nick, will he be a league leader in minutes again? You know, he's obviously, he, he's averaged 35 minutes or more ever since his third season, um, since so for the last decade. And, you know, he just, he's always racking on minutes. He's always durable. It's 36 plus. I think it was like 36 and a bit, uh, 36 and a half or so last year. He's just always, in, in terms of you know, in minutes, he's just he's just always out there, and you, you know you can't. That's obviously a good thing, and he's had eight seasons in you know in the top twenty for for minutes per game. Um, it, do you think that the, there'll be a different approach? Yeah, I think also he's up there too, is because of his durability. You know, a lot of stars that play even over thirty four minutes aren't necessarily healthy for the majority of the year, and like you mentioned before, Jack, he doesn't miss games. Obviously, as in last season. 
Um, I think it really depends on the Nets approach. We've kind of talked about two different things, you know, one where maybe he plays higher minutes in rest games, or if James Harden's not going to buy into the resting thing, then they're just going to have to convince him to play less minutes during the season. You know what I mean? Like either you're going to take the rest days and we'll let you play, you know, maybe 36 minutes. But if you're not, then we're going to try to push you down to 34 because you are 33. You're coming off a hamstring injury. We need you for the postseason. Yeah. You love to play in the regular season, but at the end of the day, like he's mentioned, the next step for him is winning a championship. Yeah, so I had that in my one of my big questions. You know, how does a team manage him throughout the year? You answered it pretty well there. And do they need to protect him from himself? You know, yes. It, that's going to be a hard, you know, conversation to to have. You know, Steve Nash going up to him like James, we don't need you tonight, my guy. And he's just like, I'm fine. Like I, I'm, I'm 85, 90 percent fit. You know, I've done this for ten goddamn years. Let me go out there and play. Um, and look. Kevin Durant showed last year when he was sort of talking about back-to-backs and such. He's like, you know, I'll do whatever the team sort of tells me to do. I'm feeling okay. If he has the same mentality as KD and he can buy into, you know, the bigger picture, but then, yeah, I, I hope that the team makes those tough decisions and, and in a way, like you said, you know, like we sort of said, save him from himself in some regards. Yeah, I think you just kind of have to accept it. And coming off the hamstring injury, maybe he'll be a little bit more open because and that's something like we talked about. You could re-injure it. It's something that's kind of more so like overused and it's more likely to pull in that situation. So I feel like they should be able to convince him to some extent. And obviously the team is in better hands than it was last season if there are injuries or, or guys need the rest or things along those lines. But Jack, what are you thinking stat-wise for James Harden? Stat-wise, I got 25 points, 10.5 assists, and seven boards. I, I think he can average the fringe triple double, but you know, I think that ha- having thought about it a bit more and having people probably call me out a bit more on the pod, it's just like, uh, yeah, and I'm realizing that you know the rebounding burden might not be there, but he also loves to get those boards. It just looks good on the stat line, and yeah, so I think that 25, 10 and a half to 11 and seven. Yeah, I'm pretty close to you. I have 23 points. I, I kind of reduced everyone's scoring average just because I think there's more mouths to feed. Guys should be healthy this year. Ben should step up more. Um, I had 11 assists. I think that's where maybe you lose lose a point or two, but you make it up in the assist area. And I have seven rebounds as well. He just likes to kind of hang around, especially in those defensive positions. Like Lucas talked about, is like that's where he tends to play defense the most, kind of setting him up to grab the board and start to break and throw you know, those full court passes or even the half court ones. Yeah, and they're incredible. But um, any predictions on his uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage? Does he have a chance at a 50-40-90 season or no? Uh, I, I don't think for him because he hasn't had a, a 90% free throw shooting in his career. I think his volume is going to be too great to have you know, 40% from three as well. Yet He also hasn't had a 40% three-point uh, three shooting in his career. The closest that he's got to it is 375 39, sorry, yeah, um, back when in, in, in OKC, where he was still basically a, a, a six-man. So I, I don't think that that's possible, but, and he also hasn't had 50% across his um, a field goal percentage either, but we the efficiency will probably be up. You know, I, I would yep. expect, you know, 47% from the field. I'd expect 37% from three, which would be high by his standards. I guess it's going to be like, the, how many attempts does he take? You know, he's not going to take... 13.2, like he did in 2018-19. But do you, you know, what he did for the Nets took only, he, not only, but he took 7.3. Do you think that number will remain constant? Do you think it'll get lesser? Do you think it'll grow more? I think it'll probably stay around the same. I think he'll limit maybe, hope, this is what ideally I want to happen, is he limits maybe some of the step backs and adds some more catch and shoots in. So maybe it goes up to eight because he's, he's attempting some of those catch and shoot threes. That's fair, that's fair. 
What are you thinking? Yeah, I'll probably go that it goes up a little bit more. I'll probably say it's the eight range. Yeah. You know, he's, what the lowest I think that he had in in Houston was a, a, a season of six point a six and six point nine. Uh, then it was eight. It was nine point three, ten, thirteen point two, twelve point four. So I'll go with eight. Um, I think that seven and a half, maybe slightly more than last year. Anywhere from seven to eight and a half, I think, is where it will lie. Yeah, and I think important to note, too, is like those early seasons in Houston, three-point shooting wasn't as prominent. That's when it was first coming on as being like, boom, shoot a ton of threes. And obviously the other teams he played on in Houston just lived and died by the three ball. But, Jack, anything else you want to talk about in terms of Harden stats? No, I think that all of them will be – he's going to be one of the best scorers in the league. He's going to be – First, second or third in assists. I, I think that he'll... I mean, he was leading it last year. I would be surprised if he doesn't. You know, the only player that can probably rival him is LeBron. But in saying that, we've got better teammates. We've got guys that can hit more shots. Um, and rebounding. You know, I want him to continue to, to board the ball because it, it, it looks good on the start line. And he is one of the best rebounders at yep. the, the guard position in the NBA. Yep, I agree, Jack. And I think just... I wouldn't like. I wouldn't be surprised if the assist numbers are even higher than what we're speaking about, and maybe the points get a little bit lower, and he just kind of buys all in of having like this all-time point guard season. Because, like I said, his coach is Steve Nash. It's something that seems like James Harden really enjoys. We talked about early on he was passing maybe a little bit too much, but it's going to be easier to pass on this team than ever because there's so many mouths to feeds and so many good offensive players. Because now you add another weapon that's easy buckets in Patty Mills or even a Lamarcus Aldridge throw him a quick pass in the paint, he might just float that baby in. So uh, I'm really excited to see how James Harden kind of adapts his game even more playing with the best team he's ever played with. Yeah, I think if he's, I think that if he's averaging 23 points a game, like you said, I think he gets 12 assists. If he's yep. gonna, if he's averaging 25 points or more, it's going to be around that 10 to 11 range. Again, yeah. a very marginal sort of difference, but I still think a difference nonetheless. Yeah, and obviously there's a million variables that could have an impact on that, good or bad. But Jack, big questions that you have for James Harden entering this season. Nick, do you agree with my MVP prediction? That uh, he's going to win MVP, or do you? What do you think? Uh, give me like your official prediction. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm going down the limb. I think Katie's, uh, Katie, <laughs> Katie might win it as well. Uh, join MVP. No, I think James Harden's going to win MVP. Uh, I will probably go. He'll be a top three candidate. I just think there's a lot of hatred towards the Nets, if, including the fans and the media, that I just don't think that they'll end up getting enough votes where people just say it's too easy unless there were to be some type of injury, which I do not want to happen. Even just like the example of Sean Marks not winning executive of the year last season, like that's just super strange considering he added James Harden to his team, a top five player in the league. So I just think there's like a, a double barrier for the Nets to get over to win some of these awards. One, actually winning the award, and then two, winning against the media. Yeah, I mean, the we know a lot of people vote off narrative uh, at ESPN and such, and I don't <laughs> think there's a great narrative for James Harden. Um, if you're LeBron James and you're age 37, he's 37 and he's age 19. <laughs> look oh, what he's God. done to Russell Westbrook. Oh, look at Anthony Day. You know what I mean? It's uh, going to be like... Oh, dude, it's going to... I said on the the KD pod, um, if he if LeBron wins MVP over uh, James Harden and like James Harden has a bit like statistical impactful season, um, then I am going to be furious. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen. But again, obviously the Nets I think are the better team than the Lakers, so that'd always be the kind of counter argument from people. 
Uh, and look, the, a lot of people's arguments like, you know, are you the best team in the NBA? What Are you a top four seed? You know, normally like the best player on the best team always gets a lot of love, you know, except for like Bruno Gobert because he's a goddamn offensive scrub. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully people stick to their word. Yeah, uh, Jack, I think this is kind of an easy question, but what would be bigger for James Harden's resume? And consider both situations the Nets win the championship. James Harden wins regular season MVP or he wins final finals MVP? Oh, well, it's obviously finals MVP because uh, one of my question is, is there a player that needs a, a championship more to add to their resume, you know, out of guys that don't have it? You know, maybe Chris Paul is the one that sort of comes to mind uh, given where he is at in his career and, and his overall legacy at the position. But, you know, I think James Harden's a more dominant player and has proven that and probably has been, you know, emblematic of the current era of basketball that we've watched for the past eight to five to eight years. So I think that's the easy finals MVP. He's, we know he's an MVP candidate. And I think that, you know, if you look at the Hall of Fame candidacy, blah, 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 maybe you look at that or whatever. But finals MVP, I think KD's probably more likely to win it, to be honest, because I think KD's a better finals performer. But in saying that, I guess, Nick, uh, the two the question that I alluded to, is there a player that needs a championship more than James Harden? And can he make a name for himself on the playoff stage? Because he's had some good postseasons. He's also had some bad postseasons. Um do you think that this is the year that we see James Harden make uh, a, a real statement uh, come the postseason? Yeah, I feel like he was on pace to do it last year before the injury. It just really felt like that. And then, unfortunately, he gets injured, and then he comes in and plays, and people are going to always look at those numbers and point to, you know, oh, we underperformed. No, he was really hurt really bad. Um, but he played great against Boston, and I have no reason to think that he can't have his best postseason because – I was always under the opinion that a lot of the reason he had failures in the postseason with Houston was overuse throughout the regular season, a lot of fatigue, especially even early on in series. Because if you go back and look at James Harden's numbers, he usually plays well game one, two, and three. It's as you kind of progress through the series, you see the numbers drop. And obviously that's due to fatigue. Maybe it's due to pressure a little bit too. But I think this situation sets him up to be the most successful version of himself in the postseason. And I think it would drastically change a lot of viewpoints on him, especially if it were to be you know multiple postseasons that he played really really well and I wouldn't rule him out as finals MVP obviously we're getting way ahead of ourselves but I think that he'd be a guy that there's not to say there's more desire than Kevin Durant because I like I said I think that's one of his strengths but I think the motivation of never having a championship could unlock even like a heavier version of James Harden that we've you know maybe never seen and I guess the the other question do you think there is a player in the NBA that needs a, a championship more to sort of solidify their legacy resume whatever the only standard? other guy that I think it would truly help a ton maybe to the same level of James Harden obviously you mentioned Chris Paul already would be Russell Westbrook you know he's had a lot of great regular season success has has been a great player in a championship and he's been a guy who hasn't played well in the postseason really at all there has been just a lot of bad moments for him even more so recently too with James Harden on his team so I think that would be a guy that would really benefit other than that you know you could look at other guys but at the end of the day I think it's like the top five players he's probably the only guy without one at this point maybe Joel Embiid but Joel Embiid's got a couple more years at least in terms of age on Harden, so he has a little bit more time. Yeah, I think Russell Westbrook is in a similar class of the the naysayers and the detractors to his yep. game and his overall, you know, just persona and what he's done in the NBA. And if he's to win that, it's sort of, you know, winning cures all, as they sort of say. So no, I think James Harden is probably the prime A candidate because everyone's just like, 
you know, if he's going to be better than Dwayne Wade, he's going to win a chip or whatever. You know, to be the second best shooting guard of all time, obviously no one's going to be better than Mike. Um, but James Harden, I think he's in the same realm as Dwayne Wade, and you can make a credible argument that he's better than him. I don't think that I'm not the person. Well, there's that's also like, Kobe Bryant, so. Kobe Bryant, yeah. I mean, Kobe, sorry, third best shooting guard of all time. But if he wins one or two, you know, maybe he's not in the same realm as Kobe in terms of impact and, and winning legacy or whatever. But, you know, it's certainly... There's a real yeah, argument to have. You yeah. know what I mean? Where now it's like you can have the arguments because he's been so dominant in the regular season, but it hasn't ever truly carried over and he's been that level of dominant other than last year really against the Celtics and some other first-round series of his career. Nick, my final question that I had here is, what are your thoughts on this, the contract scenario? Now, in terms of to put the whole money into context, if he, he has the option to pick up uh, a player option for next year, which is at a bit over $47 million, solid amount of money there, and then add another three years uh, extension on top of that, uh, which, would be which would be worth $161.1 million. But if he waits until after the season, he could re-sign in Brooklyn with an all-time world-shattering record, $270 million extension. Now, Hard's mentioned he doesn't care about the money, he loves Brooklyn, all these sort of things, but goddamn. Uh, but what are your thoughts, I guess, on the contract scenario pertaining to the beard? Yeah, it doesn't seem as likely that we'll get the extension before the season. It seems more likely to come, you know, during post, uh, like after the season, you know, after the Nets win the finals and maybe he wins finals MVP. Um, but I think it's going to happen. I'm just not sure exactly what the timing is going to be or the exact number on the situation. All signs point to him being really happy in Brooklyn in the situation. And also just like, I think he loves Kevin, uh, loves Kyrie, but he really, really loves Kevin Durant and playing with him. And I think he vibes well with Sean Marks and Steve Nash too. Yeah. And I mean, we heard Sean Marks sort of say that, you know, he's confident in the extensions happening. Didn't really, they, they, I mean, Sean Marks seemed pretty confident that we're going to sign before the start of the regular season. Look, it's all. It's James Harden might have said that he might have changed his mind, and that's totally his prerogative. Or because, he could have realized you know, he's going to get more money if he signs later on, and I mean that makes more sense if you're going to stay anyways. Why would you, you know, let the team off the hook to an extent? Yeah, I mean it's cool to have the the legacy of having the best, the biggest contract in NBA history next to your name. Um, so yeah, and, and look, whatever happens, I think he's going to be a Brooklyn Net for a while. I think that all the seeing it does he hurt told me a Joe little bit. Zai he wants to retire as a Net. Yeah, and it does it does irk me a little bit seeing on, you know, national platforms saying, you know, this is a little bit of a worry, you know, seeing that big, giant, doofus Brian Windhorst saying, <laughs> is this actually like a, a problem for the Brooklyn Nets? Are they going to sign James Harden long term? It's like, shut up, my guy. Like, worry about what, your next LeBron book and getting your clutch checks, my guy. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be a Brooklyn Net for the rest of his career, probably. Yeah, I could easily see him and Kevin Durant finishing it out together in Brooklyn and just kind of, you know, riding high. And, I mean, Kyrie could also be that guy, too. I think he's just more of a mystery in general. And, obviously, there's some question marks that we're going to jump into when we do his player preview. But any other big questions on James Harden? Not for me, mate. I think that you, we sort of also talk about, you know, the, he obviously left a, a massive legacy in Houston, the city. I think, you know, he's starting to want to do that in, in Brooklyn and in New York overall. Obviously, he's got some business connections there as well. Katie, obviously, with his 35 ventures um, and the boardroom and, and the rest of things. So, yeah, I think that Harden is going to – I wouldn't fret over it if I were a Ness fan. Yeah, it'll be nicer on the, the luxury tax check for Joe Sy, but – Ultimately, I'm all about players getting paid. You know, the billionaires, you guys are going to cough it up. You're the ones that own the team. 
pay the guys what they deserve. And you guys literally have billions of dollars, <laughs> so I'm never going to feel bad. Um, so pretty much that's it. I think really with James Harden, there's just a big question is the playoffs and the postseason and winning a championship and all of those type of things where there's not really many other question marks than that. And if he can stay healthy, fully conditioned, and be ready to perform at a high level in the postseason, I think it could really be a, a game-changing career. I mean, uh, a career-changing year for James Harden just because of what people look at him if he does win a championship and plays really well in the postseason. Yeah, it's going to be ASMR moment coming here, guys. Uh, Nets world. <laughs> Nets world. <laughs> James Harden's the one that started that, so I'm just imitating him. I really... I'm a bit. I'm sometimes a fan of that. I, I like the way. Look, I'm not sure who we prefer to like. Kevin Durant like created it. Next world out of nowhere, and then like James Harden just brings the mic down. I'd like, I like them both. I like the either way. It is a Nets world. I like the Kevin Durant one because it's usually after a win, walking to the locker room. So it's usually like that. And obviously, James Harden said we have scary hours, and they're going to be even scarier this year. So prepare yourselves. Obviously, Halloween's approaching in about a month too. So something to keep in mind. But Jack. Always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.